You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Just so that we know why we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Bible says, And you, brethren, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When we, when we pray, we take time to build ourselves up. So, not every prayer will have a prayer point. Sometimes the point of prayer is not to attend to a prayer point, but to bring about growth. Are you with me? To bring about growth, to bring about a building up, the Bible says. To bring about a building up. And so, it becomes important for us as Christians to spend extended time in prayer, you know. And as you pray, you're not praying anything in particular. You are just praying in tongues and listening to the Spirit. Because it's in moments like that that you now get direction from the Spirit. The Holy Ghost will now start to talk to you about certain things in certain ways that you ought to go. Are, are you with me? It's in moments like that that you kill the flesh to sinfulness. You see, when you take a prayer point to the place of prayer, your flesh is still involved. Because many times it's your, your earthly desire that you are communicating to God about. So your flesh can be involved in that there's some gratification coming to the flesh. But when you spend time praying like this, no particular prayer point in mind. You just spend some good time praying. Uh, first of all, your flesh is not enjoying any, your flesh is not enjoying any satisfaction from the action you are performing. And there's no gratification that will come as a result of that action to your flesh. And so it is in those types of prayer uh, moments that you, you grow. The Bible says that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will live from the, reap from the Spirit life everlasting. And so, if we, so when we pray like this, we make investments to the flesh. Are you with me? We make investments to the flesh. I want us to spend some time. Um, you know what? It is 6.16 now. Uh, roughly about 6.15, 6.16. I want us to pray from now till 6.45. It's just 30 minutes of prayers. But you are on your own. Are you with me? You are on your own. 30 minutes of praying in tongues. Pray, pray fervently. Are you with me? Please, don't use this time to get distracted. Don't use this time to get carried away. Don't use this time to press your phone. If I were you, I would switch off my mobile device. All right? But use this time in good, active prayers. Can we make that happen? Can we make prayer happen? I will still teach tonight. Um, we will continue our evangelism series. But I, I want us to pray. Also see this as some form of um, pre-campfire experience. Because at campfire we will spend extended hours praying. But this is just 30 minutes of prayer time, we will just pray and we will let the Lord give us 
expression in the place of prayer. All right, begin to pray in the language of the Spirit now. some of you need to give your your spirit room to ventilate to find free expression mantaka parepele kotaya Rete <laughs> 
Rakede Beleta, a Batokotoho, a Batokotoho, Ridegesaya Labrandos, Ascuprete Bascupa, Aljada Dada, Zuda Dada Gapalate, Zuda Dada Gapalate, Randa Dada 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 Yada, 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 Jada Daga Palata, Zute Tete, Jada Gada Brada Dada, Nandaka Sote Teke Beleta, Ajaba Baba, Ajaba Baba, Ajaba Baba, Ajaba Baba, Rudeke Pepe Beleta, my Lord and my God, Zepe Deco Sute. Jaba brandele koto kopota abete kosuta kaprande ika papa papa barabate zota taka papa barabate rundele bekatas kapapa jada kapapa papa jada kapapa papa papa runde kete kapas kapapa le de 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 zuta ta 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 runde da 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 kasa papa runde keskombata jaba papa papa and now brethren building up yourselves upon your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost as I pray in the Holy Ghost I rise like an edifice So te 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 kapala kapayata Ababa prata kapalate Zute kapolataya Ebagaba brababa Rudakas kapapapa Jepapapa takapeleto Ebakotoko sonda kapalia Ebaba brata kasada Etokoto palate My Lord and my God, Sona Kaparepeletos as Kapepeleto Jatatatata Rutata Kapapa Pareteke Besupe Abrata Dadadakata Azutekete Kalapone Kaya Kamanondas Emeni kupala kambele kitoho Efleno koski bele kumana kaya Vrini ni minu kubrindi ni kusumrana Asuna ikapalate Askopopote 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 Sama na kopeleta Zobrete tetetetete kepeleta Ashama kaparabate Sadaka papa parabeletos, ebarata sondeka teke palata, asondela kapariata, ete te 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 te, jata kapata kasonde, rude te 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 te. Zompala kapeletuni kibili kumbele kapahe Asole kaminota Abrete kepele kuna marabate Zuvrete keshkopo popopo Rebete kesondolo kapurotototototote Rebebebebe koto 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 
my Lord and my God, Sumenakapayo, Evini Minukuska Brata, Jata Tata, Adadadadadakate, Zototota, Libata, Zubratata, Jata Takata, Adadadakata, Ezotokote, Ekepeleto, Ajababe, Ejabababa, Abradoko Sebekopata, Ebarote Kasondele Kapaya, Ebababa. Rekata askapa lota ekapababasha ezota kaparabate zuta 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 zuta. My Lord and my God, suke peleto kosa makombe ebrombe kapakape ebaleme nekuwa kapa askupa ebarabada sondele kasha zoto to 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 japakota 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 japaprata elegroto sotrende kata ikrapalo suta agruta kapalata ebarabata skope japapapapapapa. My God, give room for your spirit to ventilate. Zata kapato, e palabrato, e jebebebebe, ruta Make spiritual investment so to the spirit. Deprive the flesh so to the spirit. Sow to the spirit. For if you sow to the flesh, you will have the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow a kaito meneno, eskebebata kopa, ashebebaba, rebebebakato, ebakatando, esumaika la, askopata, ashebebaba, rudakababate, ekopata sota, zonta, zonta kabret, 
as I pray the works of the flesh are deadened as I pray the works of the flesh are deadened the wild animal that is my flesh is caged as I pray my spirit gains might my spirit gains ascendancy and it cages and tames the animal and that that is my flesh Saya kamana kondele kimino kuta asonda la freke beletos abrata kabashemene kapa imana kata la baskoba jababa brata kabeleto ekamana kotans kofete kibili kapa abroto kopopopopo shababababa eberrepete kaskabababarabate elebrededegete zuta tata agroto sota abala kapeleto lingotai kabrando Lingotaka Brando, Abeleko Sutaka Brata, Ziataka Papa, Rutaka Papa Brata, Ziataka Papa Brete, Ronda Dotototo. I refuse to give my flesh comfort. Kepalataka Sonte, Lepapa Brata, Ziapapa Rabata, Zotataka Brata. But by the Spirit, I mortify the deeds of the flesh. Zuteka Palabeno, Ebrakapa Sonda. Zutra <laughs> 
Zoto Zapapapa Lebatasco Ebarabate Zoto Toto Letocosco Papa Barabate Zatata Akotoko Peleta Asiata Katakata Parata Ebebebe Cotocoscombata Egebeberata Asuna Catapalate Egotoco Pelecatiata Ashapata Copre Cotango 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 Zato Copreta Azune Capalaco Efrato Efracapalia Azapapapa Jatatata 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 Runda Catacata Catacata Roda Sataka parata, esataka paliata, eshebebebebebebegata, rubebebebebebegata, zoto toto toto toto, jata tata tata, redetetetete, roto toko skopa papa, jata tata, rudata kata, jata tata, rudata takata, jata tata, rudata takata, eka papa papa papa, rubeka sondele kapa, rakta sokopra, rakta sok. Kopra, japa papata, a gote koto, a jote koto koto, a jote koto koto, ligoto koto mbalakate, a samanai kapa, rutata, refeta kasota, jata dada, le dada 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 gote, rite dada dada, ziata dada dada gote, le donda kaskapa, le donda kaskapa, jata dada dada, reta dada dada, a sakata, a gote tata, ikata kota, a ba. My Lord and my God, Zuta Kapaya. Yes, Jesus. Malotos kofine kibaya, emini kupu sukumri diki bisumana, ashaba baba baba raba lata, ebrete te 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 kete koskopo, jaba baba baba raba ta, zoto to to to, jaba kata kaskapa, rete te 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 te, jaba kotoskobeleta, ato koto koto, ezoko to ko brete, zimini kumbotai, askopo baba basha, askaba baba raba ta. Samana kabaya nambrete ke suba jata kata nantoko sotata ebretete zuta kabrata ashaba baba rodokoskobobobobolote sanamai londeke belekuskaba ashai 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 latoskobelekata nandata Kota Zuvretes Gaba Bratash Ziata Kapa Papa Retetetekata Jotokotokopobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobo
Samana Kofe, Sabra Babala Beleto, Zukebele Cabratas, Akashabayata, Iminikubunukupeta, Abremenekiminukun Santa Kivenos, Ablekoto, Kanemeneko, Jababa, Ebrebele Belocotes, Kando, Lebre de Gogobolota, Jababa Brata, Adoko Ruta Satata Jepepepepeperet Ratatata Ayayaya Ekapapaparabate Zutakabrete Ogotekebreta Atagodokosha Eleberakata Baskope Lababariabata Legotasata Legatakashaba Abratakasata Rundelekatakabasa Nandokoshata Agotekebekashata Ebretetetete Rutakapata Akapapape Koto koto kopeta Igapata kashkaba Latondekasa Abrotoso Eba Yes masa Kapaliko pantakaba Eba rabababababa Rototokosko bababa Jiatakata kapalata Edadadada Adadadadada Jiatakabarata Adadadadada Rutakabarata Adagabaskabababasha Ebeletokosonde Rutakabarata Cosca Rupatas Combele Capariata, Ajutaka, Ajutaka. Thank you, Jesus. Lakota Somenai, Abrapa Shaba, Rupapa Sambala Balata, Ekata Tata Tata, Jotototototototo, Sabrata. Sota cabrata, zotetetetete, japapaparata, lotototototocopeleta. As I pray, I lay aside every weight. As I pray, I lay aside that sin that so easily ensnares me. And I receive strength to run the race that is set before me. I receive strength. Sakapala combeleta. Suta kaprata kapalato, ziata kapalatengo periki parakotas, asana manakote vleto kusunda la kashkaba, ruda kapasabarabate, agata tata tata, ruda kaskebebebesha, lato kusunda la kapariata, ababa ababa brata, leto kusunda keshaba, lebebebebreta, agoto sota, agroto kusambala kate. Eba brata, ashata tata. 
Rutatatakata Jotakapaparabate Rudakasondelakapa Retetete Jetetete Rondetete Rababa Shakata Zetetete Redetete Somana Kapele Kumbele Kapa Rababa Shababa Rubababa Sadaka Brababa Nanta Dadaka Skopa Baba Shaba Rodotoko Sata Rindelekos Kombadakasha Sutaka Bretetekate Yatatata Lababrata Zutatata Jatakata Palata Rodotototo Jataka Baba Rubababa Saba Babalata Bakotoko Sondeleka Saba Rato Sondra Catabalate Eshatatata 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 Rudatata Redetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetetet
Paul said, I bring my body under, lest after I have preached, I myself might become a castaway. This is one of the ways that we bring the flesh under. Sunaya la benenos. You have three minutes to go. Open your mouth and roar. Sama kapele kumina zoto to 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 jata kapala kape runde te 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 zoto to 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 zekapele kubroto. As I pray, I walk more freely in the fruit of the spirit. As I pray, I walk more freely in the fruit of the spirit. I walk in love. I walk in joy. I walk in peace. I am more patient. I'm more I am more faithful I am more temperate I am more meek in the name of Jesus sin shall no longer have dominion over me the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life they are all behind me that old man is put off the new man is come Sola Capeletosa Ashapacatecos Zuta Capala Peleto Ebrata Capasume Amacote Ebrata Sota Evrete Cascopa Jota 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 Leto Capele Campanata As I pray, contradictions fall off. Addictions fall off. They fall off. They give way for the ascendancy of the Spirit. They give way for the supremacy of the Spirit. They give way. Aha. Jealousy falls. Anger falls. Lust is killed. The flesh is crucified. As I pray, the Spirit preaches. The Spirit leaves. And it grows in me. Saya Pakolopetas Sconta la Cabrata Capalatos Emacote Cambaloco Venemai Hayabaca Sandolos Cavenemino Asuki Bia Caparabalatos Escapaba Shamana Capalata Lebrata Sota Acomenai Covene Envinicupulucutibia Asumre de Casababa Ziotacos Cabababarabade Emanoco Sundai Ivinicupalacaba Asunda la Cabascababa Jata Cabarabada Zota Tata Zuta Cabrata Etoco Papa Brata Rundele Kasanamanakata Sai Sondalaka Brothers In Jesus' name we have prayed Samakopele Brothers
Open your Bible <clears throat> to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. This is the direction that the Spirit led us in, <clears throat> in this prayer time. I sense that there are many people who their hearts have been weighed on heavily by the sinfulness of, of the flesh. You are in a battle with the flesh and recently it seems like the flesh has been really knocking you out. And so the Holy Ghost led us in that direction. When I started praying, I didn't know that was what we were going to pray about. But as we prayed, the Holy Ghost gave, gave expression to the desires of our hearts in the place of prayer. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 16 to verse 24. And then we will pray five minutes with that part. Are you there? It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Everybody read together. One, two, go. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. To the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Verse 18. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. <clears throat> now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they are, that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with their flesh, affections and lusts. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another. <clears throat> We're going to lift our voices and pray. We're going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, give my spirit victory over my flesh. I will not be given to the works of the flesh. But as I pray, the works of the flesh will die and the works of the spirit will be magnified. Open your mouth and pray. Just a few minutes. For some of you, you know what certain works of the flesh need to die. It may be lust, it may be envy, it may be jealousy, anger, hatred, strife, pride, the need to be validated by everyone, the need to be seen. All of those things, they need to die by the Spirit. If you by the Spirit put to death the things of the flesh, you shall live. I put to death the deeds of the flesh. My spirit gains ascendancy. Samaka Pelecondas. 
you may need to call it by name as i pray i mortify the deeds of lust as i pray i mortify the deeds of pride as i pray i mortify the deeds of anger as i pray i i weaken the influence of the flesh on me I feed my spirit so that it will gain ascendancy over the flesh I am not given to anger I am not given to jealousy I am not given to hatred I am not given to strife I am not given to greed that is not who I am I am not given to lust I am not given to sexual provocation oh that is not who I am In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you. Thank you for giving expression to our spirits and the desires of our hearts. In Jesus' name. You know when the Bible says that we do not know what to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit, um, He makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. This is a very good example where there are certain things that your, your spirit man yearns for, but your heart is not even capturing that longing. Your heart, I, I've taught you before, when I was teaching you on training the human spirit, I taught you how that the spirit is advanced and the soul is still catching up. And so, there will be times when your spirit is in need of something but your soul is not able to interpret that need that that's when you will start feeling uneasy you don't know why you just know that there's something i, I don't know but there's something i feel something feels wrong or I, I don't know there's a need that i have i can't put you know a finger on it but there's something that i need to do sometimes what you are experiencing is the inadequacy of the flesh when compared to the vastness of the spirit. And so when we pray like this, we pray in tongues like this, you know, with no particular prayer goal in mind. We just, we're giving room for the Holy Ghost to help us. What happens is that as we pray, the spirit begins to interpret to the flesh exactly where you ought to go. Are you with me? And I believe strongly that this prayer session we just had now, Many of you needed it. Not just I needed it, many of us needed it. Anyway, praise the Lord. How are you all doing today? We have... Um, uh, 
Um, this this is going to be the last midweek service till campfire. Campfire comes up um, next week Friday. So on Thursday, we will not be meeting. All right. That will just give everyone the opportunity to rest and prepare for campfire, as well as the workforce. The people who need to um, set up would be available for set up. The people who need to plan would be available to plan and you know, make sure that everything goes by the leading and direction of the Spirit. And we have time to achieve um, the maximum output before campfire begins. So this is the last midweek service before campfire. After campfire, we go again. <coughs> and um, we started an evangelism series. We've been running an evangelism series for a couple of weeks now. And we've been talking on how to evangelize. Is the microphone low? Is there a problem? <clears throat> Is there a problem? What? It's open. Is it because I've not drank it? <laughs> uh. Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, so um, let's begin. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready for campfire? You should be. By now, by now, you're, you should be ready. Your spirit should be ready. God is up to something. So we've been on an evangelism series, and um, we have taken the time to teach last Sunday we talked about influence based evangelism reaching out to people in your sphere of influence I feel like Sunday services would be dedicated to telling you what to do and then midweek services will be dedicated to telling you how to do it you know what I mean equipping you you see the Bible says that the work of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the work of the apostle is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of the prophet is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And ditto for the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You see, we, we up until now have thought that maybe the evangelist's role is to evangelize. But the Bible clearly spells out that the work of the evangelist is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so though evangelism is not actually the sole responsibility of the one who occupies the office of the evangelist. Are you with me? Evangelism is, every, is a collective duty. It's a collective duty. And <clears throat> some people, we, 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 are a, we are a body of labels. We like to label things. And label ourselves. So I can come out and say I'm a theologian. And another person comes out and says I'm an apologist. That is, I, I defend the Christian faith logically. I'm an apologist. But what I have discovered is that you don't find those labels in the Bible. Was Paul a theologian? Yeah. Was he an apologist? Yes. Was he an apostle? Yes. But the way we operate in the body of Christ now is almost as if if you are this thing, 
you can't be this thing. But every Christian must be an apologist. You must be able to defend the Christian faith properly. Every Christian must be a theologian. For the meaning of the word theology is the study of God. Are you with me? Theos, God, logi or logia. Study, the study of God. And every Christian must live in a lifelong pursuit of the knowledge of God. That makes all of us theologians. Are we, are we together? So when we, when we classify ourselves in those little ways to make ourselves feel good, I'm a theologian, you're an apologist, uh, you're an evangelist, you are a pastor. And so we start asking ourselves, what office do you occupy? I have found that that question is not necessary. It's not even important. I have found that if you do the work, the title will come on you. You don't need... So, in our, in our generation today, almost every Tom, Dick, and Harry who receives a call from God immediately starts calling themselves apostle. It's the new thing to call yourself now, apostle. And I don't think it is wrong to call yourself apostle. I just think that you are majoring on the minor. Because if you do the work of an apostle, you won't need to... Call. Are you with me? Are you with me? The main thing is the work. Every one of us must do the work of an evangelist. And in evangelizing, there is the place for defending your Christian faith logically. That is, we are coming from a logical perspective for the defense of the Christian faith. It is not for a select few to know. Are you with me? Because when we have conversations like this, some people, some people approach it like, eh, there's a group of intellectuals, you know, the high-minded, the sabis, you know, those ones. There's that group. And they are the ones who are going to go and learn the... Um, logical defense, how to string words together to give a logical defense. Me, my own is to just tell people that Jesus loves them and use my life as an example so that they can see that God is good. So what happens when you encounter somebody who needs a logical defense for your faith? You will not say, you know what, I don't have an answer, but I know somebody that if you ask him, two seconds, <laughs> now I don't know if you are like me but I would want to meet that person but now not to convert but for the challenge that, who is this guy that is a bad guy that has all the answers let me see if you really do have all the answers and so we make evangelism about what it is not Every Christian must be skillful enough to incorporate logic in their defense of the Christian faith. Do you understand what I'm... I don't know if you're on the same page with me. So, we're doing apologetics today. Remember, I told you, we did um, moral atheism. We talked about moral atheism last week and upper week. Is that correct? 
and then I told you touch moral atheism that is on um, um, theodicy the morality of God in the face of suffering are we together and then I said we'll touch on is it the prayer that is making people cold like this you still in the spirit should we do Father Abraham are we together ah okay so because i was wondering and then today we are doing apologetics all right so let's let's begin just as a preamble we're going to read first peter 3 15 and we're going to read proverbs 15 23 first peter 3 15 and proverbs 15 23 Are you there? I, I want someone to read First Peter three fifteen, and then another Proverbs fifteen twenty three. Is there a second microphone? I worship you with all my heart. With all my heart. heart. Are we there? All right, who is reading First Peter 3.15? Oh, 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 oh. Somebody, so somebody was holding mic trying to read, but then you now got up. You now got up and chanced her. First Peter 3.15 but in your heart, revert Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. All right, read it again, but this time, read it with more gospel. But in your heart, revert Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. All right, who is reading Proverbs 15, 23? Who is reading Proverbs 15, 23? All right, my Lord. Ah. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. All right, thank you. Proverbs 15.23 says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. When people meet you, I heard... A preacher. I, I was about to say something else, then this just entered my spirit. I remember something that a man of God said once. I was, this was in 2016. I was listening to this man of God, and he was talking about how Christians who don't know how to defend their faith are like salesmen who don't know what the product they are selling does. So I meet you, I come to your house, I knock on your door. And then you open, who is there? 
oh hi, I'm bringing you this beautiful product, it's a microphone. Um, and then you ask me, what does it do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Not only have you done the company that makes the microphone a disservice, you have done the person that you are selling the thing to a huge disservice. An apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, he says, sorry, a word in season, how good it is. As Christians, we must be ready to give an apt answer. That is a good answer. Why are you a Christian? Number one, number two, number three, number four. Because let me tell you something. Our generation is highly intellectual. Even those that didn't go to school. Am I saying the truth? Even those that didn't go to school, they are highly intellectual. They will ask you, have you seen where children ask questions these days? They will ask you a question, you'll be embarrassed. Our generation is highly intellectual. And so, we cannot get by with just believe. For what? Just believe for the reason, for the sake of believing. I need to know something. Faith is not, it may seem foolish, but it's not illogical. Are you with me? It may seem foolish considering that the natural wisdom of this world will many times be at loggerheads with the wisdom of God. But it is not illogical. And so we have a responsibility as Christians, as believers, to be knowledgeable, to know why we believe what we believe. And not only know it, but be able to communicate it clearly. Growing up, one of the things I used to do that has helped me greatly is I, I used to imagine, then I would just, in my house, on my own, in my room sometimes, I would just imagine myself face to face with someone and the person is asking me certain questions and I would start having an imaginary conversation with somebody about Jesus. Anticipating questions they will ask me and answering them back. If Jesus could sit in the synagogue at 12 years and anticipate questions from the Pharisees and answer, he has set a precedence for us. I, I, I don't know if you are listening to what I'm saying. He has set a precedence for us. There is nothing like, oh, I don't know. Oh, it, it's bigger than me. Oh, I will leave this one for the pastors to do. It is not for the pastors to do. Every believer has a responsibility to know and not just know, but be able to communicate. The days, listen, the days of when people say there is no God, you will now answer, ah, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. You are a fool. Those days are over. Are you with me? Yes, Those days are over. So you are, 1 Peter 3.15 says, 
honor Christ in your heart as Lord and be ready to. So one way we honor Christ as Lord in our hearts. You know, as, as a body of Christ, we try as much as possible to please Jesus. But many times we want to do it in our own way. We don't want to do it the way he wants to be pleased. What's your favorite food to eat? Spaghetti. <laughs> in trouble. <though. laughs> Spaghetti. Ah. Yeah, in trouble. <laughs> but so now your favorite food is spaghetti. You are hungry. It's not like you don't have money. You have money to buy spaghetti. And now come and I tell you, don't worry, I want to feed you. What's your worst food? Let me guess, beans. Indomie. The Lord is helping you. <laughs> so now, but wait, you're a student and Indomie is your worst food. Is it that you have plenty of money or you will see Shege, you will drink Garitaya? <laughs> so now, you, you are hungry. And then I come and meet you and I say, I want to give you food to eat since you are very hungry. Maybe it's one of those days when you have lectures from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the evening. Then lectures are finished. You go to where you are normally supposed to buy food and the people selling food are not there again. They've closed. So now, <laughs> so now you, you have one option. Is it that you drink Gary? Or you sleep. As you don't now like Indomie, it's not even an option. So I come and say, I want to get you food. What do you want to eat? And you say, spaghetti. And then I say, don't worry, I will, I will make you happy. Then I go out and buy Indomie and come back. And give you Indomie to eat. I am trying to force my own definition of pleasure. Maybe Indomie is my favorite food. But it's your worst. I'm trying to force my own definition of pleasure down your throat. In a relationship, you don't do that. You find out what the person wants and you do it. Many times, our picture of honoring Christ is putting his picture in our living room. That person that is in your living room is an actor, he's not Jesus. Jesus never took a picture when he was on the earth. They hadn't invented cameras at the time. So he never snapped photo when, <laughs> when he was on the earth. But that's the definition that people want to insist on. That, ah, this family is dedicated to Christ. So we keep his picture in our living room alone. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that particularly. Because I, for one, don't mind the symbolism of it. I don't. But he is hanging in your living room, but he's far from your heart. Are, are you seeing the issue? Yes, sir. We think we honor Jesus. I, I had a meeting with the Abuja Church, an online meeting with the Abuja Church a couple of um, days ago. And I read from, um, I think it's Matthew or Mark, where Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. Are you with me? And Martha was jumping from pillar to post trying to fix food for her Lord and personal Savior. And Mary sat down at his feet and was listening to him. And Martha, at some point, she looked at Jesus and said, Abba, 
haba. <laughs> My, I've been trying to fix food for us. But this girl now, she's just sitting down there listening to you talk. I mean, we listen with our ears. We can be fixing food and be listening. And Jesus said, Martha, you have been distracted by other things. Note that what she was doing was for Jesus, but it was a distraction. Do you know that it is possible to be distracted by your service for God? And we will call it honor. We are honoring Jesus, but it's a distraction. There is a way Jesus wants to be honored. We must go to scripture, figure it out, then now implement it. Jesus said, this one, one thing is needful. The one thing that was needful, you are not doing it. So when Peter says, sanctify the Lord Christ as Lord in your heart, or the ESV says, honor Christ as Lord in your heart, and be ready to give a defense, it means that one of the ways we show our honor for Jesus is that at any given point in time, we are ready to give a defense for why we believe in him. When I started pastoring, I remember praying, Holy Ghost, Give me the grace to be able to write amazing sermons. So the Holy Ghost told me that I want you to study the first three sermons in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus. So when, when he was asking me to study it, I thought that what he was leading me to was some syntax of writing, how to write your sermon. And that's very important. Homiletics is very important. How to prepare a good sermon note. But the first sermon was Peter's address at the upper room. The second sermon was Peter's address um, after James, after they healed the lame man at the beautiful gate. And the third was, it was still Peter, Shah, addressing another group of people. It, memory fails me now. Acts 2, Acts 3, and I think Acts 4, Acts 5. Acts 5. Now, I studied the three of them. And the Holy Ghost said, notice how in those three instances, Peter did not have prep time. That's what the Holy Ghost told me. Peter didn't have time to prepare sermon notes. Now, I'm not saying I have sermon notes prepared for this teaching. It's right here. See, it's, I have a sermon notes written out. I'm not saying don't prepare a sermon note. I'm saying... The Holy Ghost said that the best sermons are the ones that come from your heart. Your, your spirit, your heart has soaked the sermon. It's a part of who you are. When, it, when called upon, you will just deliver. Because you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So he was telling me how Peter did not sit down. It's not like that day at, after they finished speaking in tongues... When they finished, Peter now googled tongues, uh, how to defend tongues from the Old Testament. Ah, Joel 2.28. You will now write it down. That's okay, so I'll say it like this. No! He got up, preached a powerful... So, this tells you that there was something, there was a preparation in Peter's heart. Do you get it? And it's funny because... They had never spoken in tongues before. 
So there was no need to defend tongues before that day. Yet he was prepared to defend it when the time came. Are you with me? Nobody in the history of the body of Christ and the body of God, whichever one you want to call it, nobody had ever spoken in tongues before. Nobody. Yet when they spoke in tongues for the first time and it was time to give defense for it, Peter was able to give a systematic... Are are you with me? It looks like he prepared the sermon notes. He opened Joel 2. He took his time. He said, this thing, that's what you can see now. God has shed forth his spirit and it is by his spirit that we can do these things that you can see and hear. He, he took time to defend it. That's what Peter is saying. When, so when the same person who defended Jesus all those times, I mean, Acts 3, they are by the beautiful gate and they heal this lame man who said, look, um, give me something. And then Peter said, look on us, silver and gold have we not. What we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The guy starts to walk. He's leaping, he's jumping, he's praising God. A crowd gathers. Peter looks at the crowd and immediately from that, he didn't, he didn't say, okay, settle down, settle down. You guys give me 10 minutes. I'll be right back. Let me just quickly put one or two things together so that I will address you. No. Interestingly, they didn't have um, printed Bibles. I hope you know. <laughs> they didn't have printed Bibles. So every scripture Peter referenced, he, he did from his heart. Are you, are you on the same page with yes, me? Sir. He did from his heart. So he looked at them and said, why look you on us? I said, by our own works of righteousness, we have made this man walk, whom you all know and you can see. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you gave up to be crucified. And from there, for the next 20-something verses, Peter is preaching. But the Bible says that when he was done preaching, it pricked their hearts. Then they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? So, not only did he know what to say, he knew how to say it. Look at Stephen. I'm I'm trying to point to you the importance of preparation. Don't wait till you are asked that question before you now go and find the answer. No! Stephen, Acts chapter 7. If you read Acts 7, what you will find is that Acts 7 is a perfect summary of the Old Testament. Stephen stood unprepared. In fact, not only was he unprepared, he was facing an angry mob that was prepared to stone him to death. They had picked up stones who will kill you. And he delivered a sermon. By the time he was done speaking, the mob started to drop their stones. They said, we can't kill this guy. Paul said, his blood will be on my head. Stone him. Stone him. He delivered such a great sermon piece. Are you on the same page with me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the Holy Ghost said, check the first three sermons preached post-resurrection in public by anybody who is not Jesus. What did you notice? I was telling, I was saying, I was just saying, oh, they used this technique, they spoke like this. He said, no, they were not rehearsed. They were not prepared for. Because the way life works is that life doesn't give you an announcement for when test is coming. You know, in school, they will tell you exam is, is 13th week. So from first week, you already know when you're going to write exam. Life does not work like that. Are you with me? Yes, yeah, it may be on your way home. 
you will just encounter the person that you need to talk to. It may be somebody you've been seeing in the office, he has been quiet. And somehow, because he, he, he's a quiet and well-behaved person, you assume he's a Christian. Until one day you now hear him <laughs> saying some things. And then you're like, ah, this person is, and that's your opportunity. There and then. Because after that day, he will never bring it up again. And there will be no space for you to bring it up again. So that's your opportunity. The window, God has opened that window for you now. It's time for you to strike. Because you must strike while the iron is hot. The iron is hot now. Strike, but you don't know how to. It is part of how you honor Christ to be prepared to give a defense for the hope and the faith that you have. It's how we honor Christ. It's how we show that we hold him in high esteem. Are you with me? Now, in scripture, there are two ways that we defend the Christian faith. All right. We have biblical proofs and we have extra biblical proofs for the defense of the Christian faith. I will, just, I will just teach this to wherever the teaching takes us because it's a very long one. But um, wherever it, it takes us, I will stop there and then we will move on. So we have biblical proofs. Are you with me? Yes, sir. And we have extra biblical proofs. So, number one, biblical proofs. Open with me to Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 28. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 28. Are you there? Are you there? Glory to the highest king. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in scripture, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews, showing by the scriptures that, Christ, that the Christ was Jesus. He powerfully refuted the Jews, showing from scriptures that the Christ, the anointed Messiah, was Jesus. Are we together? Good. So there is, um, there is biblical evidence for the deity of Jesus, for the defense of the hope that we have. Bible evidence. Are you with me? As Christians, you ought to be equipped with Bible evidence. How do you know that Jesus is God? 
So you hear, for instance, a Muslim come and say, show me somewhere in the Bible where Jesus said, I am God, worship me. Then you now start and say, though you don't have it expressly written that he says, I am God, worship me, because he didn't need to say that. You have statements like, before Abraham, I am. You have statements like, I and my father are one. You have instances where Jesus was worshipped and he did not refuse worship. Biblical evidence for what you believe in. I don't know if you are on the same page with me. But number two, you have extra biblical proof. What is extra biblical proof? Very simply put, what is not in the Bible. So the extra there does not mean beyond like oh we're taking biblical proof a step forward but the extra just means outside of the bible are you with me so it's used just like you use it in extracurricular activities all right extracurricular meaning outside the curriculum so raise your hand if you just figure that that's what that means now (laughs) okay um you were smart too (laughs) All right. So you have extra biblical proof. And there is, there is an instance where that is even used in scripture. All right, I'll show it to you now. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 to 34. It's a long read. Um, please be there with me. I hope you are not bored, though. If you are, that's your business. Shall I learn? <laughs> Acts 17, 22 to 34. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, Areopagus, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So take note of Paul's technique. You are, you are worshiping what you don't know. But I want to tell you about the unknown God. Now, it was not necessarily true that the unknown God they worshipped was God Almighty, the God of the Jews. But Paul seized that as a way. I, I, I think that we need to learn to see a window of opportunity when it opens. Are you with me? We need to learn to see a window of opportunity when it opens. So your friend or your cosmate that is normally stoic, doesn't talk about things, doesn't show emotions suddenly starts to talk about, oh, well, this life is somehow, so somebody just die and that's it. That's a window of opportunity that the Lord has opened yes, unto you. Yes, Are you with me? Yes, and you now seize that opportunity and say, well, I'm not afraid of death. You say, why are you not afraid of death? You say, well, because in the end, the reason why people are afraid of death is the uncertainty that comes after it. Can you see? You've started. But me, I have certainty. Why do you have certainty? Christ. Say, but even Christians are not even sure if, if whether when they die, they will go to heaven or hell. Now you have the opportunity to preach the assurance of salvation. Yes, sir. Are you with me? Yes, so Paul saw a window of opportunity, for instance, and um, he used it. I sense that that illustration I gave was prophetic in nature. Paul saw a window of opportunity and he used it. So he said, I saw you, I I sense that you are religious people. You worship gods, different types of gods. Here, there, left, right, center. 
But I saw that there is one that is known as the unknown God. Like, do you know how religious the people need to be to worship an unknown God? That is, that is, this is the logic behind that. We have Shongo, the God of, what is it, God of Iron and Thunder, right? Thunder, is God of Thunder. We have Shokmano, the God of Smallpox, and all the other gods that we have. But in case we missed anyone, let that God not be angry <laughs> with us. So, we have miscellaneous. <laughs> we have miscellaneous. <laughs> List of gods. Number one, we have Orumila. We have this God. We have that God. We have this God. Then number 430, miscellaneous. <laughs> and they, they had, notice, they had an altar for that God. You build, you build an altar according to how you want, how a God wants to be worshipped. Are you with me? It's, it's, the, it's the God that will tell you the demands of worship. Sacrifice to me this. Sacrifice to... Are we together? So what did they know? that they build? How did they build that altar? It was fear. Do you get what I'm saying? They may have sacrificed. So they will be sacrificing. So it may be a thing where, okay, today we are sacrificing to Shongo. And what Shongo wants is a Ferrero. So we will bring a four for Shongo. But let's not forget the unknown God because he may like a four too. So <laughs> we will also take a four to his altar and drop for him. Tomorrow we are sacrificing yam to Orisha. So we will take yam as well to the unknown God. Are you with me? Mm. But Paul saw, and he knew that these people had a, a state of thinking that was leaning towards the right direction. They just needed guidance. And so he said, What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. So that means there was a temple built in honor of this unknown God. <laughs> God. Verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind. Look at how Paul has tracked back to Genesis 1. Are you seeing it? He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the surface of the earth, having determined, an, um, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Notice he says, feel their way towards him. There is an illusion he's making. Think of a blind man. A blind man doesn't walk with certainty. He feels his way. Do you understand? So he's trying to say that you have, you have this, this desire you have in you. This is Paul's logic. Now this is pure logical reasoning. This desire you have in you to worship gods and even now you are worshiping an unknown God. He says it's actually put in you by God so that you can navigate your way back towards him. So he says, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being. As, please pay attention now. As even some of your own poets have said, for, for we are indeed his offspring. So this is an example of extra biblical proof for the deity of God. This poet that Paul referenced was not a writer of scripture. And it wasn't scripture that Paul was referencing. He, and, 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 and I would like you to know that even when he said, as some of your poets have said, the poet was their version of our modern day artist, singer. So Paul references one of their pop culture, part of their pop culture, to draw their attention to the existence of God. Are we, are we on the same page? Are we on the same page? So he says, he's not far from you. In fact, when we say in him we live, we move and have our being, we usually make that statement in a Christian context. As Christians, we live in God, we move in God and have our being in God. But when Paul makes that statement, he's not making it in a Christian context. He's making it in a general, every human being lives in God, moves in God, lives in God, moves in God, and draws their existence from God. Because he says, he's not even far from you. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And even as one of your poets have said, we are all of offsprings of his. Verse 29, being then God's offspring, so now he starts to build on that. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. Why is he saying this? Remember, he passed through their array of deities and all of them are either made with wood, gold, silver, stone, glass, plastic, whatever. And he's saying, we are his offspring. If we are his offspring, then he cannot be gold because we are not gold. Are you seeing logical reasoning here? Good. He says, um, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he, so now who is this man that he has appointed? Thank you. And of this, he has given us assurance to all by what? Raising him. Can you see a very good way that Paul connects Genesis 1? to the resurrection of Jesus. In a few sentences, Paul has drawn a line from the creation of the world to the judgment of the world through the resurrection of Jesus by just using logic. Are you with me? Yes, sir. This is what we must aspire to. So, he says, verse 32, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again, about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So not everyone was converted, 
Not everyone believed. There were different responses. And that tells you something. Every time you embark on an evangelistic um, endeavor, embark on it with the expectation that not everyone will believe. One of the reasons why many of us don't evangelize as often as we ought to is the fear of being told no. But when you go out with the expectation that some people will say no, many people will say no, then you will just go out. Paul finished and he had three responses. Number one, some mocked. Number two, some believed. Number three, some were undecided and they said, we'll hear you about this again. So for those who would hear him about it again, if you read further, you will find that he went back and he taught and he disputed, disputed repeatedly till the number of those who were undecided reduced. Are you with me? But in scripture, there are two different ways to argue for the existence of God and eventually give a defense for your faith. The first is biblical proof. And the second is... Now, when you are coming from the perspective of biblical proof, there is, a, there is an underlying condition that must be met and fulfilled. And it is the common belief in scripture. Are you with me? So, for instance, the, the example we read, um, Acts chapter 18 that we read under biblical proof. If you note, you would see that in verse 28, Apollos debated with Jews, yes, proving to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Yes, Are you with me? Yes, the Jews already had a common faith in Scripture. So what they needed was a different lens on interpreting the Scriptures that they already believed in. Are you with me? And so biblical proof for the existence of God will only work on people who hold the scripture in high esteem. I cannot state this enough. If you walk to an atheist and the atheist says, how do you know that God exists? And you say, the Bible tells me so. The next thing they will say is, how do you know the Bible is correct? And we'll talk about that maybe next, next upper week because next week we won't be meeting. But how do you know the Bible is correct? So now you will now have to deconstruct. Is it that you have to go through the route of extra biblical proof? Or you will go through the authenticity of scripture? How can we prove that the Bible is true? How can we prove, especially because most of the Bible was written, not most, all of the Bible was written by men. God did not write directly any book of the Bible. It's not like uh, Moses woke up one day and he found a scroll, the book of Genesis authored by God, forward written by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's not what happened. Even the book of Genesis was written by Moses. The account of the creation of the world was written by Moses, who was many generations after Adam. Are you with me? So Moses would have written the account of the creation of the world in two ways. The first would be by prophecy, prophetic insight. And the second would be by handed down stories. So Adam would tell Cain. Cain would tell his child. Cain's child, um, Adam had two children after Abel. Cain, Abel, actually he had multiple children. He had Cain, Abel, and then the ladies were not mentioned because in Bible genealogy, they, they, they were not usually, they didn't 
usually mention ladies. So the ladies were not mentioned. The girl child, um, girl children were not mentioned. But Adam would have passed that information down to his children. Adam's children would pass it down to their own children. Um, Methuselah was Adam's grandchild or great-grandchild, one of those two. Um, and he was Noah's grandfather. So um, the information would have reached Methuselah, who lived long enough to meet Noah. I mean, Methuselah was 960-something years when he died. I think he was 300 years when he gave birth to his first child. And Noah lived 600 years. So Methuselah and Noah lived in the same at some point, they met. Do you understand? So, um, Noah lived more. Adam lived to be 950, by the way, according to Bibles. Many of you don't know what I'm talking about. Go and read Genesis. It's there. Hmm? Adam lived. So, Adam lived long enough to pass some of these stories down to his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great, you know. So, that's, that's how the story would have been handed down to Moses, and Moses would document it. Moses thought it necessary to document what was handed down to him. Are you with me? Uh, so, um, what led me to these places? Many people will not believe in the authenticity of Scripture. And you can see that if you are not well equipped with extra biblical proof to answer them, that is proper logical reasoning outside of Scripture, to speak with them, just like Paul did with these um, people in Areopagus. If you are not equipped with proper logical proof, you will now go the harder route of, first of all, proving the authenticity of the Bible. And that's actually a longer route to take. Are we together? Time is gone. I wanted to enter into... So we're going to answer two questions in this apologetics class that we're doing. Number one, does God exist? Number two, is that God that exists, the Christian God? Do you understand? Because for some people, the question is not whether God exists. They agree. But how can you tell with all sense of assurance that your way is the way? Do you understand? So we will, we will go through all of that. I wanted to enter into the first one, but I don't want to start something that I will not be able to take time to flesh out properly. So I will stop here. Any questions? Any questions from what has been discussed tonight so far? Any questions? If you have a question, raise your hand. Don't let it be that when I now start praying, you now say, oh, pastor, I have, I have a question. I will, not, I will actually not answer you. Any question? Ten? Nine? What? It can be from, it must be on evangelism from what we've discussed so far. But let's not try, let's try not to go away from any generic question you want to ask can be asked on Sunday. No, but today's own can be, must be on evangelism based on what we've been discussing. Anything you want to ask that is general, not necessarily on evangelism, can be asked on Sunday during Sunday school. All right, Genevieve and then Tovia and then William. Can you see all of you? Okay, so I wanted to ask that um, the, okay, the learning of how to 
to be able to logically defend the faith, it takes time, it takes learning, right? It's a process. I, 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 I'm not trying, I don't want to say, are you saying, but is it that we should calm down on going out until we learn properly or we should just go anyways? Go anyways, um, preach, but make sure. There's something I always say. It's okay to not know something sometimes. But it's not okay to not know something all the time. Like we asked you last week, you don't know. This week, you don't know. Next week, you will not know. Upper week, you still won't know. You don't have any plan of knowing it and learning it. Do you get It's okay to have lapses in your knowledge. Nobody ever died from not knowing okay some people die from not knowing but it's okay to have lapses in your knowledge preach either ways admit when there's a limitation to what you know and what you should like what they're asking you but that that limitation should spur you to go and find out it shouldn't encourage you to remain i i don't know if you understand what i am saying that that's that's it It's not right that it's your pastors that handle the movement. So, you mentioned, I think, two weeks ago, midweek, that we don't need to evangelize to Catholics when you're teaching. So, I wanted to ask is there any reaching out we need to do? And aside from even that denomination, other denominations that are not Pentecostals, when we go and evangelism and the person says, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm this. I'm not Pentecostal. For example, Catholics. Is there any reaching out we need to do, or we just you know stop? The, okay, this person is saved. The person is a Catholic. Listen, in the in the end, in the end, the the m- most important points is if these people believe in Jesus the right way. Do you understand? If they do not believe in Jesus the right way, that's when there would be a necessary reach out that would be required. But from experience, I have found that there are Catholics who have more sound theology than many Charismatics and Pentecostals. Do you get what I mean? So it's not about whether you're a Pentecostal or a Charismatic or a Catholic or an Anglican or Methodist or Foursquare, whatever you are. I think in the end, it just boils down to where do you stand apropos of your faith in Jesus? Where do you stand with respect to your knowledge of his deity, his lordship, his supremacy? How, how do you interpret those things? Do you get what I'm saying? And if there is an error in how you interpret those things, then there is a need for us to now converse till we correct those errors. Does it make sense? Does it answer your question, though? Good. You will, you will always find that there are people who just need a little bit more talking to. I mean, in fact... Um, for many devout Catholics, 
they have more submission to Christ than many devout Pentecostals. And the reason being, many devout Pentecostals are devout to or are devoted to the prosperity gospel. Do you understand? And so the Lordship of Christ is highly debated. They don't know about the deity of Jesus. I mean, I grew up Anglican, and um, every Sunday we were made to recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his holy son, our God, who was um, born of a virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into, into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the communion of saints, the, um, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the something of the something, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. It's been a long time since I recited that. And it's a beautiful creed. Those are the tenets of our Christian faith. There's no arguing. This is it. For a devout Catholic or a devout Anglican or Orthodox Christian, they would have at some point questioned what they are saying and taken it to heart and believed those tenets. But many people go through a Pentecostal church and have never had a conversation on the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, life everlasting. They've never had a conversation on dead. It was he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. All of those, what does it mean that he ascended into heaven? What does it mean that he descended into hell? And whenever those conversations are even brought up, they are nuanced. Christ bore, so Galatians 3, 13. Um, Christ bore um, the cause of... Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is every man that hangeth on the tree. Now, many in some Pentecostal circles, they know that verse of scripture. The problem is that they have reduced the curse of the law to sickness and poverty. And in so doing, they have watered down the effect of what Christ went on the cross to do. And so they would know that and still argue with you when you talk about, when you preach on the forgiveness of sins. Because if we agree that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, then we shouldn't have a problem understanding the concept of forgiveness of sins as it should be preached in the light of eternal salvation and assurance of salvation. I, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. But yet, they will know that verse of scripture but their interpretation of the course of the law is highly um, watered down because they've limited it to poverty, sickness, and bad news. When in actuality, the course of the law is the inability of the one who is under the law to escape from sin because sin is in his members. Christ has redeemed us from that curse. The law reveals the inadequacy of man. And so the cause of the law is the inadequacy of man. The fact that I will tell you don't steal, but you will still steal because you can't do anything about it. That's the cause of the law. Christ has redeemed us from that. But it will now be watered down, are you with me? To so in the end, we find that it is not even, it is the need to establish right doctrine and preach further 
is not peculiar to any denomination as it were because the catholics have where they are where they are they are in need of correction the anglicans do too the pentecostals more than everybody else if i'm being honest more than everybody else i, I mean some things i hear pentecostals say i know catholics can never say it at the risk of, of being um, a rubble rouser or a cantankerous person, I watched the sermon except um, yesterday. Where this man of God is saying, God is incomplete without us. And I'm like, the true living God? I get that you are trying to do in Christ's realities. But you've lost honor. <laughs> like, how could your lips carry such words? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you find that there is a need for the body of Christ to be corrected across board. Even we who are Christocentrics, we take some things to the extreme. On the scale of righteousness, I weigh the same as Christ. No. No. Do you get what I'm saying? So in the end, uh, this, that part, what you're asking for, is a discipleship problem. And it cuts across board. It cuts across board. It's not just Catholics or Pentecostals or Charismatics or Orthodoxes. It, it, cut, it cuts across board. So what do you do in that kind of a scenario? Number one, go and verify that what you want to preach, what you believe is actually correct. Huh? Because you too can be wrong. I will believe something, you will believe something. The funny part about doctrine is that the both of us can be saying two different things and be wrong together. <laughs> so there will now be need to investigate this thing that these people are saying now. Does it hold any water? What I want to teach them, does it hold any water? Okay, how do we bring about balance? And balance is not necessarily equal amount of both sides. I've said that before. It's the right amount. So sometimes the right amount is will do away completely with what you have said because it's trash. Are you with me? Because no matter how small physics it is, once you introduce it to drinking water, that drinking water becomes undrinkable. You can say we are trying to go for equality here. <laughs> are you with me? Mm -hmm. May God help his body. Um, I've answered you. Have I answered you? I've answered you. Um, William. Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. Thank you, sir. Um, so I think you've answered in large part my question. I wanted to ask about um, like the spectrum of spirituality. That's from the atheists to the agnostics to the taste, the deists those who are then religious, then you have the different religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, and the rest, and then you come to Christianity. That's um, the biblical proof, and the extra biblical proof would answer um, most all on this, on this spectrum. So I know that the Bible in itself, it's compact and standard, but when it comes to extra biblical proofs, uh, where do we draw the line? Because there's so, there so many texts out there, so many things, so many different kinds of logic. So how does one navigate that in using extra biblical proofs to um, prove that Christ exists? Thank you, sir. Provided the logic is not flawed hmm? and it does not go against what the Bible teaches, it holds water. 
just think, think through what I just said. Because there are some logics that are, that are non-logical. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are some systems of thinking that are just flawed. We, we encountered one of them two or three Thursdays ago when we started on theodicy, where we ran through a logical system that most moral atheists will run through to get to their conclusion. So provided that we don't have flawed logic, hmm? and what we are saying does not contravene as Christians or contradict the, the truths of scripture, it works. I, I don't know if that makes sense. It works. May God give us understanding. All right. Please package your offerings. Let's wrap this meeting up. So like I've already announced before, I'll just say it again um, so that you won't come here next Thursday. If you come here, you won't see anybody. What? Uh, we'll direct you to Quadrant. You've got to help them to do setup. So we will not be having um, midweek service here next week, Thursday. We won't be having midweek service, period, next week, Thursday. A reason being um, for campfire's sake, um, because Friday evening, it's campfire. We'll begin campfire, and um, we'll have the time of our lives. Now, now I want to believe that you've booked your accommodation for campfire. You've started making plans. For those of us that can't book accommodation, you shall have found where you will sleep for campfire. I want to implore you. Um, we have long prayer times, especially the long prayer times. Don't miss any of it. Those online, let me say this, sir. Eh? You are doing yourself a disservice as a member of this church. If every Sunday you are online, then once every year we have a special meeting like Campfire and you still plan to watch it online. I'm serious. It's the reason why during events like Campfire, I don't care. I will tell you, put, switch this, turn off the stream. Because except you are not in the country or for... for um, Situations beyond your control, you can't make it. There is no reason why you won't be at camp. You've had 12 months to plan. Do you get? There's absolutely no reason at all for you to not be physically present at campfire. Because you followed online. Even if you are in another state, right? You are in Jalingo. But you are following online. You've been a part of this ministry online. Then you hear... There is a campfire. And we, we've been doing it steadily every year since 2019. So it's not like we, we just announced that. Surprise, we're doing campfire. No. You know, like now, we know that we'll have campfire next year. We know. So there is no reason why, that is if Jesus tarries. There is no reason why uh, you won't be here physically for campfire. The worst is those of you in Lagos that are now planning to attend it online. Repent. <laughs> Online church is not God's plan for the body of Christ. 
it is, it is online church is a makeshift. It is akin to a person because drugs treat Just think of it like this. Imagine this logic. Because drugs treat sickness, I will just be taking drugs and won't eat. The drugs are supplementary. That's, that's what it is, right? Yes, but they are not the main thing. Online church is supplementary. It should supplement. So, okay, maybe because of work, I've tried my best, but I cannot be out of work this Sunday. So, just for this Sunday, I would be online. That's why we stream. All right? Online church is not an alternative to offline. Let me tell you now. Because you will be online and you will be cooking and be saying amen. <laughs> you are watching online. Some of you watching me now, you are playing video game. I'm plugged in your ears. You are playing video game, but you are listening. You say, I, I can do two things at the same time. You will be online. The pastor is preaching. You are scrolling through your phone because it's Mixlr or you're on YouTube Premium. So you can switch to another app while the YouTube is going live. And the pastor is preaching and you're scrolling through your phone. And every now and again, you will see a video. Then you will now play the video. The video audio will now overshadow. You're online. You're online. You are not, the truth is this, you are not involved. Do you get what I'm saying? Even I, who is your pastor, I will attest to the fact that many times following an online service is difficult. There are many distractions. So online service is not um, an alternative to offline service. It's a supplement. Okay, today I can't be here. While I can't be here today, let me just quickly use online service to, you know, bridge the gap for this Sunday. The next week I'll be in church. So when you are, not, you are not in church on Sunday, you are not in church on Thursday, online, 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 you are putting yourself in danger. Now, I understand that for some people, you are committed, it's just distance that is the issue. So now, distance has been your issue every other week. We are now doing campfire, and you want to be online as well. It's dangerous. Are you hearing what I'm saying? May the Lord give us understanding. Please ask him to give us five minutes. Let's, let's wrap up from here. May the Lord give us understanding. All right. Have you packaged your offerings? Father, we bring an offering to you for two reasons. The first is to... Honor you with our substance, dear Lord. And the second being to partner with our local assembly to see your gospel spread. Lord, we pray that our seed soon is blessed in the name of Jesus. And the source from which our resources have come will not run dry. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. So what we're going to do is immediately after this service, as we go out... We'll